Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigue, and now that we're friends, you may call me Tony. Today, my guest is Dan Dietrich. Dan was a management and marketing major at Aquinas College. Along with his family, he manages TDA Insurance and Financial, an independent insurance agency that offers home, auto, business, life, and health insurance, as well as financial services. He is also the host of his own podcast, Professional People Podcast. Today, we're going to talk all about careers in finance, being in a major component of a family-owned insurance agency, and how to grow your professional network. Now, let's get started. All right. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Dan. How are you doing today? Good, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right into it. Why don't we start off by having you give us a rundown of your family-owned insurance agency, TDA? Yeah, like you said, uh, TDA Insurance, we offer auto, home, business, life, health, all those insurance products, along with many others and, and side kinds of insurance uh, products, and also some financial servicing work as well. My mom and dad started the business 25 years ago in 1996. We started as a nationwide insurance agency, so we only sell, sold nationwide insurance projects. And we did really well with them. We had, were actually the Great Lakes Agent of the Year five years in a row and uh, were top 25 in the country out of all their agencies. Uh, so we had a really good run with Nationwide. And then they took a, a rate increase on their, on their auto and home lines of insurance, which is the biggest piece of our business. Uh, and, and so we transitioned to an independent agency uh, in 2009. And that's where uh, with Nationwide, we were the Diederich agency. And now when we transition to an independent agency, we're TDA, which stands for the Diederich agency. So uh, we've been doing that for 12 years now. Uh, we originally were located in, in, Wald Lake, or in Novi, and we moved to Wald Lake into our new office three years ago. Uh, we work with over a dozen different insurance companies now that we're independent. So we have many different options to shop people with. So when we were with Nationwide, we could only do one company. And that's the same you'll see with the state farms and the all states of the world. Now that we're independent, we have different options so that we can shop our customers and find the right fit for them. And as insurance carriers raise and decrease their prices, we can make sure that we're on top of the market and finding the right fit for our clients. Uh, we have 15 employees in two offices. Our headquarters is here in Wald Lake, Michigan, and then we have a satellite office up in Saginaw. And uh, we've been going strong for 25 years. Like I said, it's been a hell of a ride. Uh, my mom and dad still work in the business, and uh, I've been full-time here for about three years, working about 10 years, if you count the summers, back when I started in like eighth grade. And uh, my brother, Matthew, is uh, is graduating from Central Michigan next year, and he'll be joining the crew as well. So a really close-knit group over here. That's awesome to hear. And do you think that you've seen a lot more success once your family decided to go independent compared to what they were doing when working with Nationwide? Yeah, like I said, we had a really good run with Nationwide and did really well with them for for a long period of time. But when it came down to it, it is we didn't have any options for our customers. So our hand was kind of forced. So now that we have options for our customers, it's more about finding the right fit and serving them and finding their needs. And, and it has been a lot, a lot helpful in our retention rates, which is the amount of clients that we keep on a year to year basis has gone up because of the switch to independence. 
Gotcha. And what would you say makes working for a family-owned agency much better than working in, let's say, a more corporate setting? Yeah. So even though I've, I've done most of my work in the agency over the summers and whatnot, I have had experience on the corporate side uh, doing internship swaps with, with insurance companies where they send their interns into the agency for a few weeks to see what the agency operation is all about. And then I would go to the insurance company and see how the carrier side of things was run. So I do have experience in the in the corporate side and and you know my mom and dad they came from the corporate world they were working at GMAC which is GM's old insurance department and why they wanted to get out of it was is they wanted to control their own destiny. So that being a business owner is a huge part of it being in a smaller set you control your own destiny instead of working so hard for someone else. But then when we get down to the employee level is, is everyone's important here. Everyone has a say in, in, in what we do and, and we're a close knit group of people. They know the owner, they know everyone from, from the owner on down and, and everyone has a voice. We come in together for meetings and, and it's encouraged that they speak their opinion because they're the ones on the ground every day dealing with our clients and seeing, seeing the moving parts. So that's a great thing being able to get a lot of feedback from our employees because we're so close. And then also because we're a small family business that we can adapt and be quick and nimble. So for example, with COVID, we could send everyone home and, you know, drop their computers off and help them set up their phones when we had to work from home for a little bit. And we can just be adaptable and nimble because we don't have so many people that we can move on a smaller scale compared to the corporate side of, of things. Right. And that's really good that each and every one of you has had a unique balance of experience when it comes to both the corporate setting and the family-owned agency. So it looks like you're well-versed in every sort of area like that. And so I have to ask, is the future of TDA in your hands? Will you eventually get the opportunity to take on the family business as the main leader? Yeah, so my, my brother and I, Matthew, are the, are the succession plan naturally to back up my parents since both of us are interested and, and I've already, you know, been in the, in the agency. But, you know, that doesn't just come as a gift. We have to work hard and earn it. So, you know, it's really getting to a level as, I, as we enter into the agency of learning, learning the roots and, and what we need to be done and what needs to be done going forward to, to make sure that the agency is in good hands. And thankfully, we've done a great job of supporting ourselves with a great staff. So they all, they all know the plan and they're a part of it as well. So they're bought into the, the Diedrich family trying to lead the way for the future of, of TDA. Now, on a personal side, is there any sort of intimidation going into something like this? I know that once you are the successor, it'll probably be some time before that happens. But is there any sort of intimidating factors that come into play? Or do you feel that all of your years of experience have kind of built to this so you're ready to take on a role like that? Yeah, so naturally, you know, stepping into a business right out of college and coming into a management role is, is kind of scary, especially working with people who are older than you and been in the business longer. But going back to working for a small family agency is I've been coming in the office since I was a kid. So everyone, everyone knows me in the office. I'm not a stranger coming in and like everyone knows me and I've shown interest in the agency and I've been doing the paperwork since I was a little kid. So. So I've kind of, I'm not a new face, but it is still scary. You know, are they going to respect me? Are they going to, you know, just feel like I was given the position because I was in the family? Those thoughts all definitely run through my head. But like going back to, I said, it's close group knit of people. So when I came in and, and I 
the second one into the office, the old man still gets me. He's the earliest. But I'm the second one into the office every day. And, you know, most days I'm one of the last people to leave. So it's just like anything in life. You got to prove yourself through hard work and and, and what you bring to the table. So I'm just trying to do my best. and, And thankfully, I've gotten reassurance from the staff, which is super great that that they trust in me and respect me. So, you know, that that goes back to another benefit of working for a small company is that the staff you know, can voice that to me and, and share that to me so I can feel more confident in leading them. And that's been a huge help. Well, I certainly wish you all the best with your future and everything. And so on the topic of hard work and persistence, you went to Aquinas on a lacrosse scholarship. So do you think that being a college athlete contributed to your current professional skills? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, and it goes back, I played sports my whole life and, and it's not just college athlete. I think sports on any level teach so many life lessons and especially uh, business lessons. Uh, from my time at Aquinas, you know, and throughout playing sports, the, the main traits that stick out to me that I've learned are hard work, teamwork, discipline, accountability, leadership, and professionalism. And I think a lot of those first parts are self-explanatory for anyone who's played sports. You know, you have to put the work in or you're not going to be good. If you're playing a team sport, you have to develop that chemistry to, to get yourself to a championship level. Every team is driven by great leaders and, and great leaders have discipline and hold people accountable. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But where the sports analogy comes in for me with professionalism in a team environment is is really what I learned on the college level of things. Because at Aquinas, which was a small school, we would walk around as the lacrosse team and everybody would know. It was kind of like developing a brand. If you goofed off in class or were caught getting in trouble, the rest of the school knows about it and it's bad for the brand. If you're out, you know, in the community volunteering, doing good things and, you know, sharing that on social media, great for the brand. So, that was one thing that I think that outside of the normal sports analogies that people always make that that translations a lot into the business field is, you know, developing that brand as a cohesive unit. So everyone that works for the company is a face of the brand and everyone buys into making that brand better and, and aware in the community. I love that perspective. And you are 100 percent right, too, because each person is a general and a very pivotal component of the business altogether. So that's really great to hear. Were you set on working for TDA immediately after graduating or were you considering other career opportunities and maybe considered branching out and doing something different than going the traditional route into the family business? Yeah. So I, I had it in my mind. Like I said, I was, I grew up coming into the agency naturally as mom and dad both worked here as the owners and uh, we went on a lot of uh, trips as a kid for work. So I was drawn to to coming into the family business for sure. And I would say about eighth grade is when I really set my mind and, and sat my brother down and was like, man, this is a great opportunity. We could really do great things for the family name, for the business that mom and dad built and for ourselves and for the people and community that we work for. You know, I really am a, am a firm believer in the insurance industry and everything it does. I think it's a great industry to be in. And I've seen the lifestyle that it can provide. So I was definitely set on going into TDA and and helping take over. Um, But with that, one of my life mottos is to keep an open mind. So when I was going through college, I was already licensed as as an insurance agent on both P&C, property and casualty, and life and health. 
but I, I did take some internships in the marketing field, uh, some local Grand Rapids businesses, Highland Group. I did about a year internship there. And I did, you know, I, I was a president of a club called the Leadership Development uh, Club at Aquinas. And what we did is go to different uh, businesses in the local community and meet the owners of them and, and, you know, have positions or opportunities to interview with their company. So I saw a lot of different businesses and it was keeping an open mind through that. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I wanted to come back and, and, and work for the family and family is one of my core values, uh, as a person. So it really, it wasn't a hard decision for me, but like I said, uh, even to this day, you always got to keep an open mind on, on what, what can happen. I fully agree when keeping your mind open to other opportunities and everything. And so that's still really unique that no matter what, at the end of the day, as you mentioned, you were still drawn back to the family business and that is what you were most, most passionate about. So what I'm wondering is, were there any moments, whether that was during your time growing up or while in college with these internships, did you ever think twice and maybe... I might want to stick with this route instead of the family business. And was there anything that was on your mind when it came to potentially going down a different route at all? To be honest, no. I, I had a lot of people, uh, friends, girlfriends, teachers tell me to, you know, pursue different options and, and see where it takes me. And I listened and I really took that to heart, but I, I thought that my internships gave me enough outside experience. Uh, to know that the family business was what I wanted to do. So uh, there wasn't really a doubt in my mind. I kind of call ourselves the insurance mafia over here. So I, I, I like to think of myself as a young Michael Corioni before he turns bad on the family. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, w- I was set on working for the family. That's great to hear too, because I've heard so many stories from other families that have their own business and there's usually one family member that isn't all for it because they feel that it's just thrown on them and they feel that they just have to contribute to it. And then eventually they find open windows for other opportunities and then pursue them, you know, with their own perspective and their own persistence when it comes to that. So that's amazing that you were still able to have that passion for the family business. Obviously, the world of finance has many different roles. Students often believe that a career in finance will ultimately become very lucrative for them. But finding where they fit best can often be a struggle as well. So how do you think students should go about finding a career in finance that's right for them? Yeah, I would think that uh, one of my biggest pieces of advice for that were to try a lot of different things and, and goes back to keeping an open mind. So, you know, take a lot of if you're going through intern college, take as many internships as you can. Try to figure out what you like. Be involved in as many different clubs to see what what sparks your interest. And then try to find things that interest you that translates to a professional career. If it's in finance, there's a hundred thousand things you can do with finance. Just in insurance, you can be a hundred different things, you know? So I think there's, there's a lot of different lucrative opportunities and this is going to take a lot of trial and error. But also on top of that, I'll kind of playing devil's advocate to that perspective is that you kind of the metaphor you can't buy, judge a book by its cover is you can't also judge it by the first chapter. So, you know, if you are trying new things and you think you might like it, try to dive deep into into that industry and find out as much as you as you can and do as many different things that you can to see what you like. 
and try to become a master of your craft, like another sports analogy. You're not going to become a good lacrosse player overnight. That's my, my sports from my perspective. You can't become a great lacrosse player overnight. You have to do a hundred thousands of reps of pounding a ball against the wall by yourself and, and going to practice every day. And it's the same with any career that you're going to do as well. So to really get to the meat of the career, you're going to have to put some time and some work to get to where you want to be. So don't just judge your, your career decisions on the entry-level jobs. Try to take a job for a couple of years after college and work your way up. If that's not something you like after that, make a transition and try something else. But don't just hop month from month and trying different things when, when you can't get into the full depth and scope of what the industry is. I really like what you said about don't judge a book by its first chapter. I've actually never heard that before. What I want to know is with each year that you've worked for TDA, has it brought more knowledge, more experience, and built more passion for you with each chapter? Or has it been the same mundane thing each year after year? Have you been able to create more exciting chapters throughout your time with TDA? Yeah, so that's a beautiful thing about insurance that I love is that it's every day. It's not every year something's changing, it's every day. I could be working with uh, someone for their home and auto insurance one hour, and then the next hour I'm I'm working on trying to figure out how to insure a business that's bringing in multi-million dollars in revenue. So there's there's definitely a, a, a variety of things that go on in the insurance agency here at TDA, especially since we offer so many different products from auto, home, business insurance, life and health. So there's a lot of different things that you got to know. And, and, you know, as time goes on every day, you, you're found with a new situation. Um, is something covered? Is it not covered? What coverage do I need here? What coverage does this person need? Does this carrier offer this kind of line of coverage? Does this carrier like to insure this kind of business? Um, so in insurance, every day is a challenge learning new things. And, uh, and, you know, also from a management and marketing perspective that I, I, in a, in a big role here in the agency, Every day, learn something new. Listen to a podcast such as yours and always taking in new information. And I think if you're not learning and growing, uh, you know, at least on a yearly basis, but I think it, it should be a daily basis. And it starts with just little things like that, taking in new pieces of information and solving problems. That's so great to hear. And I'd imagine with everybody that you help with when it comes to insurance, I'd imagine that there's a level of credibility and excitement that you feel when you end up helping somebody, no matter who it can be in what different area, there's definitely got to be many exciting opportunities for helping more and more people, which makes you feel all the more proud of your job. Yeah. At the end of the day, insurance is a, is a product designed to help people in, in the worst situations. So, you know, not only solving problems for giving people the peace of mind that they are covered if something goes wrong, but also when the unfortunate happens and something goes bad, you're there to put people's lives back together. And that's the most rewarding thing about working in this business and industry. That's so great to hear that you've been helping out a lot of people like that and you enjoy every second of it too. And so let's hear a little bit more about your podcast. How about you give us a rundown of what your show is all about? Yeah, so the podcast is called the Professional People Podcast and I started it in April of 2020. So right after COVID hit, and really the idea of it was to, when everything was shut down, was to give businesses, business owners, business professionals, a platform to go on and share their story with people they wouldn't normally talk to. 
you know, it wasn't anything special, like some crazy idea out of the box, just really wanted to help people get their story out there. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great. And I've learned a lot from having people on and learning about their different industries, their career paths, the things they're doing on a daily basis, have a lot of great marketing content in there for people in marketing who are doing social media, uh, sales, business management. So all these things that I'm doing on a daily basis, I'm hearing a different perspective from them on, from their industry. And that makes me better as a professional. And I think me sharing it with others is just, you know, just icing on the cake. So I get to learn and I get to help others learn and, and help people share their stories. And that's really what the professional people podcast is all about. And that's amazing that the podcast community is offering such a great platform for these people to speak out and hear all sorts of different perspectives on the business altogether. And you can hear it at length too. You can have an hour long conversation with a business owner, learn the ins and outs of what they do, and then upload it and share it with everybody. That's the amazing thing that the podcast community has been able to offer. That's similar to what I did too. Like I started my podcast simply to hear the perspective of many people when it comes to their careers, along with college students as they experience colleges and all sorts of universities going through shifts, whether that's COVID or whether that's the student loan crisis and where they see themselves fit at the end of the day. So the community has been very, very efficient when it comes to allowing these people to speak out on all these different topics. So do you see the podcast community really being a great hub for businesses to essentially market themselves and grow altogether? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that was a big reason why I hopped on the podcast trade and started one for myself. I enjoy listening to podcasts. I started with Joe Rogan, in my opinion, the best podcast ever. And, you know, I just really appreciated the long form content, like being able to sit down and and hear someone have a conversation. You learn so much more than listening to short clips or or reading, in my opinion. I'm more of an audible hearer, hearer or learner. So uh, hearing things helps me uh, retain better. So I, I started a podcast and I've got nothing but great support comments. And, and you know, it's been great. I go up to people now and, and I'm talking to them and they're like, oh, I see your podcast. Like you're doing great. And and I think that's awesome. And And like I said, I just think it's so cool to share the story of other people and the long form content rather than a clip or, or, you know, a picture in a post. You're right. Like an article or a soundbite, as you mentioned, is definitely not going to give you the ins and outs of everything that you come to want to learn more about. It really is the long discussions that people have and listening to the passion that they have for their business or their brand. And speaking of brand, I really like what you mentioned earlier about building the brand too. So do you think that this podcast has helped you in ways in which you wouldn't have expected when it comes to TDA? Yeah, I, I started it with, with TDA in mind. You know, I, I thought that we work with local businesses all, all the time. So, you know, the more local business owners and professionals I can get in front of, the better. I'd rather invite someone to come on to the podcast and share their story than, hey, nice to meet you. Can I have your insurance policy so I can see if I can beat your price? Like that's much more welcoming for me as a person. So I definitely use that as a sales tool you know, uh, the podcast to invite people on and get to know them better. It's a networking thing for me too. So I reach out to people, Hey, would love to have you on the podcast. And then I get to hear their story, get a little background on them, come on, have a conversation. And then we have a relationship. So 
Um, I think it's really been a big help to my personal brand, which has helped me as a salesperson at TDA. Um, but I think it also helps TDA's brand um, because we're such a, a small family business that uh, people associate the brand with with the Diedrich family. So me putting out good content and, and highlighting local businesses also helps reflect on, on our corporate brand as well as my personal brand. And that's a really unique approach too that you have when it comes to something like that. I actually really didn't think about that from a sales perspective. You know, you're approaching people in a subtle way and not immediately trying to sell them insurance or get them on any sort of plan whatsoever. You want to have a thorough and in-depth conversation with whoever it is you want to bring on board and you talk to them, you know, for however long your episodes end up lasting and hearing just all the little details that you would like to hear without it really being much of a, a sales meeting of any sort. So that's a really unique approach when it comes to that. And I'm glad that it's been really successful for the TDA brand altogether. And so when it comes to growing your network and maintaining a professional appearance on social media, it can definitely yield some great results for an individual or their business, as you mentioned. So what is your approach to expanding your network and overall growing as an individual? Yeah, I'm going to stick on like the, this kind of thought that I have on my mind with with you know how I use the podcast as a sales tool because that was kind of my workaround to cold calling right because I don't think cold calling in today's day and age is as approachable as you know come on and to the podcast I think that's much more approachable and I don't think people really like to be cold called anymore and you know I think social media is starting to get kind of like that right they don't you don't want a bunch of stuff in your face when you're scrolling through that you don't want to listen to or hear so I think a big thing of it is just to be your authentic self because people want to, if, if you're connected with like-minded people, which most of social media, usually you are, they're going to be drawn to your content, but you just got to be real because everyone in today's day and age can, can spot a fake. So don't be a fake, post real genuine content, and then don't get caught up on the comments, the likes, the listens. If you just be true to yourself, and put consistent content out there, I think the followers, the likes, the comments, they'll all come. So that would be my advice to people who are trying to grow a presence on social media. And then secondly, which is the biggest part of social media is just be consistent. If you're gonna try to develop that, that personal brand on social media, it always starts with being consistent and posting content on a regular basis. Right, and it definitely seems like the Professional People podcast has only been a continuing and successful extension of TDA altogether because you are being your genuine self. You're having natural conversations with people. You are growing as an individual while also being, as you mentioned earlier, open-minded and hearing what these people have to say. So that is fantastic that the podcasting community has been able to help you out with that. And you're absolutely right because social media is becoming such a unique hub for things like that. You mentioned cold calling being very close to being obsolete, which I fully agree. I don't think anybody is really on board with cold calling and they're always looking for ways around it. So that's that's so unique to me that you specifically prioritize social media when it comes to generating leads or creating more conversations. It seems like it's all the more beneficial, way more than cold calling, I would say. Well, I think n nothing beats picking up the phone and talking to someone. So I don't think cold calling is completely dead. I just think the verbiage around it needs to flip. So it, it shouldn't be, hey, I'm calling to, call, to, to sell you something. I'm calling you to set up a relationship. And then I think social media is the tool that you use to, to get reassurance of your brand. So that if I call someone and then they go look me up, that they're not seeing 
content from three years ago. They're seeing fresh content. They're seeing that I'm a, I'm a go-getter because I'm, I'm getting after it. I'm posting videos all the time. I'm posting articles. I'm sharing testimonials. So I think it's, it's not cold calling not dead and neither is social media ads, banners. It's not dead. It's just you have to develop a relationship first and then use social media as a tool to help develop your brand and give your brand reassurance when people look you up. Oh, okay. So I see what you're saying. So you're utilizing social media to make yourself all the more credible when you do call upon these people. And then as you mentioned, they check back to see is this, you know, some schmuck that's on the phone that's really trying to get me on some sort of plan? Well, this guy is part of a family-owned business. He's got a podcast. This guy seems to have his life together. So I'm going to go ahead and give him my trust. So I see what you're saying. That's actually a very great way to go about handling all of this too. Well, so to close out the podcast, I'll give you just a quick bonus question and I'll send you on your way. What do you think is the most pointless and most useless college degree? Whew. That's tough because I feel like as long as you get a degree, you know, you can, it opens a lot of doors, but the most useless degree, I don't know, maybe just a gen ed degree. Like, if you're going to get one, jet, specialize in something, you know, like, right. Just like just, a university studies degree or something that just, yeah. it's almost kind of like a GED for high school, but just for college. Yeah. Go specialize in something, get something that you can, you know, say you, you have some expertise in from the college level. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dan. Where can people go to learn more about you, your work, and your podcast? You can find me on social media, Dan Diederich, uh, anywhere. Our website for TDA is tdanow.com. Professional People Podcast is on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all your favorite podcast platforms. And then if anyone just wants to reach out to me and have a conversation, my cell phone is 248-756-7561. Always open just to talk to people and try to help them out and help them on their way. So thanks so much for having me on, Tony, and I really appreciate you letting me share your story, my story with your audience. Absolutely, Dan. Anytime. And once again, I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks again so much for being on the show today. Thanks. My guest today was Dan Dietrich. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe and share for more episodes. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. Follow our Instagram at useless.degrees. Follow us on Twitter at uselessdegrees underscore and go like our Facebook page, Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening and I look forward to entertaining you all on the next episode.